Coffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James and Ryan here, coming to you following Everton's 1-0 victory at home against Wolves. Masterpiece. Absolute masterpiece. masterpiece of a mass match, yes. Everton have completed first league double over Wolves since 1975-76, and it was our sixth, Ryan, just the sixth. Went at home in the Premier League this season. 22 points at home in 2020-2021, lowest in any league campaign in their history. What do you think, True, Ryan? true, but what is our record with crowds? 2-0. 2-0 in the league. We're going to ignore that Manchester United debacle. Um, yeah, let's not talk about it. No, it definitely, ma- it definitely mattered, I think, today. Oh, for sure. We'll talk about it more at length, but let's just get into the, the little more of the preamble here. So Carlo Ancelotti pre-match asked for he said quote i hope that we only do one thing show a great reaction and be ready to play and use our spirit we were able to use it a lot of times but not at home and for that we're really disappointed we'd like to finish the season at home better that we did yeah we had lots of um spirits what was the other word sacrifice i mean the way he says it sounds so much more exotic and interestingly than i do um I've been having a little fun with those terms. I have to admit. Um, I, well, one of the problems I had with the press conference was, is he didn't really come across like he knew what the problems were. And I don't think it's one singular problem that you can spread that is completely responsible for all these issues. You know, we, the 15 matches, he said, he, he kind of set up to play more expansively. Remember he said the only one too. Well, I, I, it's not just because of sacrifice and, and spirit, but we did have spirit today. Yes, we did. We have spirits. Rah, rah. Right. And, and honestly, so Matt Cheatham put out at Matt underscore Cheatham, uh, really original name there. Uh, that's the most Everton have outrun an opponent all season. Covered 10 kilometers more than Wolves, four kilometers more than previous high. Now, part of that's because Wolves has a very slow team with the exception of one guy and just kind of sit there and can't behind the ball. I mean, they're absolutely a really boring team and have been for a long time. People are like, oh, Wolves up and coming. So exciting. I'm like, have you watched them play? Um. <laughs> Yeah, so look, we got it done. I mean, it was totally ugly. I saw basically all the same problems that we've seen before. Thrilled that we won, but, you know, it almost had to come on a set piece. You just felt like today. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. What was your immediate match reaction? Look, happy to get the win. It's great to have fans back. That was my biggest takeaway was just how different the game felt and and how much more the players seemed to get behind their sprints. You saw guys running all over the place. It just is clear that football is nothing without fans. We've been watching not quite full football for now, almost an entire season. It's so strange. And it it makes, it is so strange, but it was so great to see the fans back to see the guy flipping off the camera on the broadcast. (laughs) I mean, that was incredible. Uh, You know, you, you just miss those sorts of things things back to normal, you know, the rowdy. Yeah, exactly. Oh dude. Some of the hand gestures and some of the other matches I was watching, I was just, Oh, the palace match. Oh my God. Going over to take the corner and everyone just making the you know obscene gestures at yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. that one that we will not <laughs> talk about because this is a family oriented show, folks. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it was we had to do it and got a little bit of help today. I, I still don't think Europe's going to happen, but let's take a look at the at the table. Uh, Tottenham 
thankfully laid an egg today and Villa helped us out by knocking them out two to one. So uh, we're sitting here tied at least on points at seventh with Tottenham. Now our goal differential is not going to do us any favors, of course. Um, So look, West Ham's at 62. We can't catch them. You know, we can't beat them. They're in sixth. Um, Seventh is Tottenham on 59 with us. They've got a much better goal differential. Uh, Their match, though, is against Leicester and Leicester have to win. Um, Actually, that's a lie. Leicester do not have to win. That's a, what am I talking about? Yes, they have to win. They're tied with Liverpool right now in the fourth spot. Liverpool's got a slightly better goal differential. So they really need to go out and win that match. So that's helpful. The only problem I have is Arsenal kind of snuck one out at the last minute today against Palace yeah. in a completely undeserved manner, I might add. I mean, Zaha basically had a breakaway and then muffed it. And then it came back and they scored off a set piece and they, they did not play well. Palace definitely deserves something out of that. Arsenal sitting behind us at 58 and Leeds United to 56. So, so in theory, there's a lot of different scenarios that could play out. We're going to have to win. I think, I mean, I, I just can't oh, imagine yeah. all these teams are not going to do anything. Cause if we tie, we're at 60 Arsenal would jump us. If they won, uh, we'd be clear of Leeds. but even if Tottenham ties, they, you know, and we're talking about the conference league here. I mean, Europa is a Europa is gone. So, yeah. So, so even the best case scenario, we'd still looking at Europa conference league, which I think people seemingly are, are turning their noses up, but no, you know, not, so me. not I, me. I agree. I agree. I take any competition we can get any European competition and, you know, any extra money is uh money we can go out and spend on transfers to improve the squad. So, and let's talk uh, about 62 points too. I mean, what did we say yeah. at the very beginning of the year? We thought the average to get that Europa spot was, 62.2 i think it was um that may have been the last like 10 years too but it might have been five years i can't remember we'd have to go back and revisit what we did i mean we're going to do that we'll do the whole analysis again uh, maybe it was 62.4 but the point is that's pretty good now look I and mean, we probably don't deserve that many points i mean i think we've been fairly fortunate results if you look at the entirety of the year but we've also had a ton of injuries too so i think looking at back look even if we don't make it um, if we if we put in a good effort next week, next week, pardon me, <laughs> next match, um, I, at least I think we can go out of the season without feeling too badly. But, man, I would hate for all these guys to leapfrog us because, in theory, there's a scenario where we could finish 10th pretty easily. Yeah. I mean, if we lose, Leeds wins, Arsenal just has to tie, we're in 10th. And actually, there's kind of a crazy scenario where if Tottenham loses and Arsenal loses and Leeds win and we we lose Leeds is in the conference league, which is kind of crazy. You know what happened to the whole Bielsa teams fall apart at the end of the year. Yeah. It's uh it's going to be a wild last day. Look, we, we pretty much have to take responsibility for our own performance and we do worry too much about what others do, but we do at the same time, we're relying a lot on other teams to slip up. Fortunately, they're teams that have shown a propensity for slipping up most of this year, but it's all going to come down to the last day. And it's a little exciting, right? Cause it's been a while since an Everton season has, there's been something even remotely substantial on the line come this time of the year. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I think, look, if you look at it, we're at 59 points. I mean, we finished six with 58 in 2006, right. 2007. If we get to 62, I mean, keep in mind when Moyes made the champions league, everyone talks about Moyes got us in the champions league. We had 61 points. We had a negative goal differential. That's partially because we got <laughs> waxed by Arsenal, like, you know, when we had already clinched, but we had a negative shot differential. I mean, those that was not, you know what I mean? I think it's the only team that's qualified for the Champions League out of England that has had that. So 
six that's bet 62 points is a pretty good haul all yeah. things considered and all, all everything that's happened this year um lots of score predictions right which is kind of nice to see yeah, people are starting to catch on to the fact that almost all of our games are ending one nil. So <laughs> we, we don't had, score a lot. This is it. yeah. We had four correct score predictions. We had Wabi Six, who predicted uh one nil toffees. He said, I say we grab a lucky goal, way too defensive, still with five in the back. Have to stop that if we want to start posing a threat in front of goal. We also had Cam Lizza, A Manhanya, and Everton Fury 19 all correct cor- uh correctly predict the score. First time in a long time we've had that many correct score predictions. But let's wind it back, Ryan, to an hour before kickoff, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the lineup drops. Uh, we've got Yeri Mina, the return, after missing a couple games with an injury. Holgate uh, moved to the bench. Thank God. No Hamez. Carlo said something along the lines of he was fatigued. That prompted some uh, knee-jerk reactions from people saying, like, oh, what is, what is he sleepy? Did he not get a good night's rest? Does he want to just – does he really care? Does all this sort of stuff. Um, interested to to hear your thoughts on that. Just stop. I mean, what is wrong with people? You know, are you really going to buy into the Richard Keyes narrative garbage that he's, oh, you know, I mean, it's borderline xenophobic. The guy gets the daylights kicked out of him constantly. He's always on the ball. No, I mean – is he killing himself on defense all the time? No, but no one works harder on attack. I mean, look, put it this way. If he'd have played today and we got him forward in some of the positions that Gilfie got in, and Gilfie deserves credit for getting in them for once. I mean, the sky was the limit. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the quality wasn't quite there. A set piece delivery was awesome. We'll get into player performances in a sec. I, I don't necessarily mean to imply that Gilfie had a bad game. But, you know, you see the issues with open play creation. Uh, Hamas has to come back typically for the ball so much. He's working so hard. I mean, give the guy some credit for heaven's sakes. And look, all these guys probably should have been rested several times down the stretch, especially with some of these condensed fixtures. I mean, we all knew coming into this year that this was probably not going to be the best schedule situation for someone like Hamas. And and, I mean, I, I think we've gotten I wasn't expecting too many more games out of him. Were you? Just a guy with his injury record in a league as as physical as the Premier League can be, and a guy who's we're so dependent on him to be on the ball, as you said, condensed schedule too. Right. I mean, it's it's been a, a tough ask for a guy with those sort of uh, nagging injury problems, and we've just kind of seen that materialize. I, I don't think it speaks. I don't. I'm not drawing any bigger picture conclusions about his attitude or his level of effort or commitment to the club. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. I think it was probably more so just maybe like a, a translation type of error or something. He probably maybe we know he's been nursing that calf injury, um, and, and so it wouldn't surprise me if that had kind of come up again and he didn't really feel totally right in training and and why risk it this close to the end of the season if it could become something more severe. But I did think it was interesting uh, given how poor we were against Sheffield United that only two changes were made, dropping Holgate, getting uh Sigurdsson back in the mix and you know Josh King, Josh King back on yeah. the bench. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about that. So does that seem a little inconsistent with the messaging uh in the press conference? I mean Carlos whole diatribe on we needed more spirit and sacrifice. We didn't show it against Sheffield. I don't really buy that entirely. I mean I think there's some obvious tactical deficiencies and personnel issues that are preventing us from attacking with any sort of fluidity whatsoever. We could talk about those in a bit, but I mean, didn't this just feel like, I, I just feel like he's playing these same guys over and over again. So how can you continue to complain about the lack of spirit when you're choosing the guys? I mean, are you seriously telling me that no one, even on the bench guys, none of these guys have spirit. 
Uh, None of them are, are desperate for. I know it's it is a kind I, of ridiculous. I, I, yeah, and I'm I'm not. I don't mean to ham it up. I just keep saying the word and a little bit of his look. I'm sure Carlo doesn't have you know. It's, I mean, it's English. There are like 28 ways to say every stupid little sure, thing. Of course, yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm not necessarily buying it. But, but correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, doesn't that seem kind of inconsistent? You know, he comes back with the same lineup. I mean, after the presser, were you expecting them to shuffle the lineup a little bit? I mean, I kind of thought he might. I thought he. Part of me thinks he should have or could have but at the same time look he clearly doesn't have a great deal of faith in a lot of these guys coming that are that are on the bench that could potentially come in right he he hasn't shown any kind of inclination to start someone like bernard given a woe be some of his opportunities fabian delf hasn't really had much of a chance since returning to from injury and i mean i think the one guy that you probably would have maybe penned for a start would have been tom davies yeah given the kind of perplexing exclusion of him for the last few matches. But at the same time, if you're playing a, a two man central midfield with Decore and Allen, like do you drop one of them in favor of him? Or I guess you could take one of the five defenders and re- may maybe make us a little bit more robust in midfield. But look, I, I just don't think he has the depth where he can afford to drop guys. If they don't show up for half a season, like some of these guys maybe have struggled to do. So well, maybe, but I mean, these are the same guys that aren't doing the whole spirit thing. And, and look, I mean, yeah. this just in, we're not scoring a lot of goals. So I, I don't want to be overly simplistic about it, but when I look at the team, I'm like, you know, it's a very natural thing to go and look at it and say, okay, all right, let, let's maybe I'm just too being too analytical about this, but all right, let's look at, you know, the players that are when, when they're on the pitch, we score the more goals, most goals. I mean, is that not a, like a crazy concept to look at? And I know it sounds crazy, but guess who they are? Uh, number one, by the way, Mina. Boy, I really didn't really appreciate how much we missed him and how much he impacts our game, especially in attack. Um, right. Today, really shown, you know, maybe it was just magnified because that's kind of how it is. But if you look at like a, from a P90 standpoint, goals on the pitch, you know, team collective performance, Mean is number one. Um, and, and the funniest part about that is, is he's number one by like a mile. So, you know what I mean? If you look at like plus minus goal scored minus goals allowed for 90 minutes. Yeah. He's number one. Guess is number two. Oh, whoa. Oh, right. But that, but, but so, so if we need some more goals too, I think just looking at, you know, who's on the pitch when we score the most goals, Yuri Mina, number one, we average 1.56 goals per 90. When he's on the pitch, James is next. I mean, that should be no surprise, right? Of course. 1.48. Yeah. Guess who's third? Alex Awobi. So uh, I, I just think sometimes you got to look at this and say, hmm, you know, maybe it's worth trying trying to change. And I, I was hopeful we might get that. And not necessarily Alex. I mean, Bernard is a likely candidate, too. You know what I mean? He's a fairly creative guy. He can create shots for other people. Um, so. I was hoping, but yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious. Carlos kind of set and the guys he wants in there, uh, even if it's to our detriment. And look, we're not creating anything from open play. And I, I didn't see a lot of change in that regard, but it was good to see the guys fight for the shirt. No question. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and look, we're, when you're talking about our, the, the opposition, you look at Wolves and uh, similar, maybe slightly similar to Everton have suffered their fair share of injury woes this season. They're of course, I mean, they, they really just have not been this remotely the same since Jimenez went down True. skull fracture Neto more recently potence Johnny 
these are like key guys to their squad and really all of them key out. young players. Right. All of them out. And that's right. like their whole attack, basically. Yeah. And then you look, I mean, look at all these young players in the side too. You know what I mean? Like Silva, I mean, God, boy, they paid a lot for him, but I mean, he's just a kid. I think he's the youngest player in the league. No exaggeration that, that at least is playing significant minutes. Um, and so when you look at that lineup, I mean, let, let's just walk through it real quick. I mean, Wolves looked like they were back to the 3-4-3-2. Three, three, I mean, I, I think they'd been playing 4-2-3-1. Uh, Nevis came back in. Obviously, he's an important player for them. Um, but yeah, look, they like to sit behind the ball. They're pretty sturdy in the middle. Uh, they take care of the ball. You know, they're a good passing team. But if you look at that, I mean, who are the dynamic players there? You know, the guys out wide. I mean, Nelson Semedo has not been good uh, as an acquisition, and he was big bucks. Um, you really got one guy that I think strikes fear in your heart, don't you? Yeah, and it was pretty apparent that Wolves <laughs> kind of thought he was the only guy that had any real chance of doing anything, and that's, of course, Adam Matrore. Yeah. Greased up, oiled up pre-match, and comes out uh, basically just playing like iso ball by himself for yeah. like, a long time. Uh, you could tell they were really making a point to force feed it to him in that matchup with Luca Dean. And I think that actually segues nicely into sort of a, a conversation about the tactics. Yeah, that's what you saw. I mean, look, they don't like possession any more than we do. <laughs> you know, I, it's like hot more, potato. I, I know, I know. Um, and yeah, look, the danger was Treyari wide. I mean, he started out on the right wing. I, I thought tactically how we kind of matched up against him. I mean, it, it, we'll get into our system, but it looked like we were defending in a 4-4-2 again. Um, and we'll talk about the complications of that in a second. But before we talk about that, I mean, Dean, I thought was doing a very good job. He did a good job the first time we played against them, but Gilfie was down there. I mean, they were almost flat out double teaming him half the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, Nevis will sit deeper, you know, uh, they'll have kind of those back three guys sitting there uh, and they'll push up the two fullbacks. Now in this particular instance, you know, Johnny's out, um, you've got 27 million pound, you know, Nelson Smedo outright. Um, wing back and then it's kind of strange i guess kajana hover is is you know the former liverpool u23 the young kid they bought him for like nine million how the heck do their academy guys always you know it's It's crazy crazy. i know he's he's a right back though playing left wing back so um and then you've got silva up top who's not i mean he's a center forward but he doesn't have the physical characteristics of a guy that's going to be like a true number nine at this point he is smart he's kind of clever uh, but he's inconsistent. He's not particularly good. But again, I mean, he was 36 million pounds. I know this is a bit of a Mendez thing. I mean, these aren't really necessarily market values, you know. Um, they did have right. William Jose, uh, Jose on the bench. Jose, I guess, for the Brazilian and Portuguese peeps out there. But um, so that that's a that was a possible option they had to bring in kind of a more traditional center uh, center forward. Um, but that's what you're going to get from them. And, and we seem content to let them play with the ball. And they didn't look terribly comfortable with it at times, uh, much like kind of West Ham. Um, but we did come out of the shoots pretty aggressive, I thought. Yeah, it really seemed like the the crowd sort of galvanized the squad, and we we definitely were more inclined to to press higher, yeah, um, than we have been in previous matches, which sort of makes sense. You don't really want to allow a guy like Ruben Neves time to sit on the ball too much. He can definitely really kind of pick people apart. Um, and they're not quick in the back too. I mean, some of the guys no. they played today, like Bully played. I mean, he's not you know even right. He's, they're that, not that's... a fast team. You said that at the top, and it's absolutely right. Like Moutinho and Neves are like. They're very slow to, to to say it as kindly as I possibly can. No, that's fair. So, I mean, kind of get on Neves and make that, you know, he likes to sit deep and really kind of be the quarterback back there. Um, Den Donker didn't play in the back two. He's pretty good with the ball, at least if you're going to play him at center half. 
So knowing that, I, I think one of the things, the keys for us was, so defending in that 4-4-2, we've talked about it. That's still the problem we have is, and I think it's still a bit of an issue, when we transition to attack, you know what I mean? He, he's trying to get Gilfie in kind of behind the strikers, you know what I mean? Almost as a 10. And at best, he's basically getting to the left half space. You know what I mean? Right. That's a lot of running for him to do. And I think it's, he's not the best at moving and getting into that space to begin with. Um, I thought he did okay at it a couple times early. I yeah. thought the turnovers helped that, but his quality actually is, is pretty, pretty weird. I mean, his quality actually, and he did have time and space, let him down a couple times early. That's not typical Dilphy. Typically Gilfy doesn't, doesn't get in that spot. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I thought the, the attack was interesting. So, so why do you think the pressure seemed to work a little bit? better i have my theory but i'm kind of curious what you think in that 442 why yeah i mean i think you, you really had like calvin lewin kind of leading from the front pressuring yeah. um I, I think the combination look we know gilfie out wide isn't going to be great but I, I thought a lot of it like coleman was really really getting up like at times he was like in the opposition box pressing high yeah yeah um they were definitely more aggressive um, what i thought i saw was that our back line seemed more willing to kind of move up. You know, uh, people have to understand that Alon is not going to sit. I know he thought he could play as a sitter, and, and he did gr- spend a lot of his career as a sitter, but I don't think when Carlo plays at 4-4-2, he wants to play with right. like a defensive mid behind a defensive mid. Right, and not with five defenders. You really don't want to. Right. to you don't need two extra defensive midfielders unless you're like playing as Marco Silva. Yeah, yeah. You want to play the advantages that you've got Coleman out there and Godfrey's not going to like, well, he did in the second half a couple of times, but you know, that's a good athletic guy on that side. So why would you not push up higher on the right? Definitely, you know what I mean? And I, right. I think that's what you saw. And I just think Gary Mina's addition really matters. I mean, you could hear him yelling up, up constantly. You know, I think the announcers in a rare moment of... um lucidity actually mentioned that um i'm sorry i'm sorry you know half the time we get on these things and um what about the offensive shape i mean i i guess i saw four two three one i mean gilfie gilfie was more kind of left half space um we have the average position the problem is it's distorted there because it's counting him receiving and winning balls at left mid defending in the four four two you know what i mean right exactly I, I mean. but but it, i i still can't help i mean doesn't it kind of seem to you that we attacked a lot on the right, but when Gilfie got all the way to the middle, we looked dangerous. But are we asking a little too much of him to defend as a left mid in a 4-4-2 and yet get all the way up top into that position? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last match, but but that's a tall task for a guy who now runs his socks off. But that's a big job, and it's it's tough to when you're first like turning the ball over a lot or the tran- transitionary phases of play. For a guy to get, it's easy for him to get caught out of position. And of course, he's got Luca Dean behind him, but you have that Traore problem, especially at the start when he was at the right wing, Good where you constantly have to have that kind of in the back of your mind is like, as soon as we lose the ball, we got to, I got to get back and help cover for Luca because they were just double teaming Traore all day long. Yeah. So I think it was, it was fair to say. And Coleman was willing to get forward very early. I mean, that was like the first comment made by the announcing team is like, oh, Coleman's much further up than we would have expected. And it's really not that uncommon from what we've seen from him in this three, whatever, three, four, three, whatever you want to call it, formation. It's Coleman has been given a little more license to get forward as well as license to kind of just go all over the place when he feels like it, it seems like. I thought was really curious today is we attacked higher percentage attacking down the right than the left. I know. When's the last when time is that? That, that never happens. Yeah. So what? That's 40% right, 31% left. Now, I'm going to assume a little bit that's them playing more defensive to kind of 
rather than shifting Godfrey over to to kind of take him one on one, um, Luca Dean would be out there just with a little bit of inside help from Gilfie. Um, and by the way, Luca Dean did a great job on him. Uh, you start yeah. to really appreciate him. He did the same thing the first match, I think, against him too. Luca Dean's just a good a good player. What I did love is. And maybe it was the spirit, um, but they were kicking the daylights out of Triore. How did yeah. they not? I mean, a couple of those were pretty close to yellow cards. I'm a little surprised he didn't give any. Um, but yeah, I mean, so so I guess we kind of were rotating the ball more to the right. You saw Yeri pushing up higher. And obviously, I mean, Yeri had led the team in passes with 60. He was definitely the quarterback. His difference is his ability to to, to hold the ball under pressure. Right. You he know? looked unbelievably comfortable today. As, as we're going to say more, I mean, the, the poise that he brings to the back line in comparison to someone like Mason Holgate or even Michael Keane went on the ball night and day. And it really allows the guys in front of them time to adjust their position, to move into space, to find those pockets that we can then start to pick people apart. Agreed. And, uh, it, it, you know, it sounds crazy when you bring up that earlier stat about goals per 90 and Yeri Mina is at the top of the list. But then you start to, you know, when we do try to build so much of our attack from the back when you have a, a player of that quality who can defend in the air on the ground but also be be comfortable on the ball it makes a huge difference what also was nice too is not to have someone just hoofing the ball up like crazy and again our fullbacks yeah. gave the ball away a little bit but you know it it, it is what it is um yeah I, I think look decory pushed up on that right side too you know if there was ever a time when he came into attacking kind of support he was up there kind of with a lot of short passes with with yeri and i think that's that's probably why that stat looks like we attacked more on the right side because i think we had a little bit more sustained possession on that side which isn't totally surprising i mean you know if you're like gilfie's side is never going to have sustained possession you know gilfie wants to move it i that's yeah. not i'm just yes i i don't mean to bag on gilfie but but he is a very different type of player than someone like james who will hold it you know especially in advanced positions uh decore was sloppy as can be in the first half my goodness what was wrong with him um but i i don't know if that was a conscientious commitment necessarily but it it seemed to play out Okay. Uh, whereas Wolves did try an attack for the most part that says 40% left side, but I think that's also because Traore eventually switched over to that side. Right. And, you know, the last 20 minutes or so of the match is when they had all the possession. Um, let's talk about the shots. I mean, when you kind of look at the scheme of the shows where the shots were from, they didn't have many to begin with. They did have a couple in the 18 yard box, but nothing really in tight. A lot of them, I'll bet you were set pieces, but I mean, yeah. it, it looks okay. I think. Yeah. Yeah, look, we had 64% of our shots inside the 18. Wolves had 56, 7% of ours in the six-yard box. Um, it, it's not great. I mean, we've had better the last couple of games, but it results in, obviously, the Richarlison goal off the set piece. And hard to complain when you win, but shot creation is not this team's strong suit, especially from open play. And so uh, not too much to worry about there. It, you know, the end result speaks for itself, but uh, it, it was an interesting start to the match for sure. Especially as we get into the timeline here, I mean, we had the early chance from Richie, which was a, a really wait, nice wait before we get into it. I have to make okay. this comment. Please. So when we're looking at the timeline, if anyone sees this, um, you know, most timelines will have, you know, yellow card subs, you know what I mean? And goals. And so you look at it and the timeline literally starts past halftime. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like nothing, minutes. nothing happened in the first 40, 45. Which is a fair way to characterize it really. Cause not a yeah. whole lot exciting happened besides, as I said, like we had a couple chances and wolves had a whole heck of a lot of corners early on, but the first real chance was the header from Richarlison on that really nice layoff to, uh, and cross from Allen. 
And then we had another, you know, we were threatening on set pieces very early on and throughout yep. the match. Yep. Yep. We had a couple chances from Dom and Yeri. And then um, I'll tell you what, there was that big chance where Seamus kind of had a good chance and had a good shot that was blocked. That actually looked pretty good. And then we had a very strange chance in the 38th where Dean hit a great big, long, deep cross. Dom got on the end of it. Um, it kind of rattled back out. Richie went and fetched it kicked it back to Luca and you're waiting for Luca to kind of cross one in, you know what again? Like kind of one of his big kind of curling balls. And he just hammered it low, almost square back. Decor it was so funny too, because Decorey had already started running into the box and he just stayed there. It would have hit him right in the foot. And I'm sure he was looking like, what did you do that for? And then Godfrey came flying in like a maniac and hit one. I don't know how good it would have been, but you know, Seamus didn't do him any favors by basically blocking it. Uh, that was pretty interesting um those are probably the best of the chances i would say but that being said i mean wolves when you look at those numbers i mean yeah they, they had most of their shots from inside the 18 barely but almost every one of their real attempts or ones that really threatened the goal were from outside i mean i i would argue that and they were almost all corners. I mean, that was the thing. I mean, they generated right. almost nothing from open play. I mean, Pick made a really nice save in the 14th in, in the fourteenth minute. Morgan Gibbs-White cracked that. That was a, can you believe he hit that thing the well? As clean, clean volley. Yeah, right it was really volley, nice. Right? And yeah. uh, did well for that one. Oh, and then the 31st minute, obviously, another corner. The ball fell to Traore. Does he have to do better with that one? I think he had time and space on the top of the 18. But that's the one. Is that the one Pickford saved the the one that he settles and hits or is that? Yeah, he settles, hits. It goes straight, straight forward. I think Pick maybe yeah. just popped it up. He kind of hit it right yeah. at Pick. I mean, yeah, maybe it wasn't he went great. over. Maybe he went over the bar. He just hummed it. I mean, that's kind of Triari in a nutshell. I was going to say exactly. I mean, for all of the physical presence he brings and the kind of jaw dropping athleticism that yeah. he can he can produce in moments, the finishing is just totally not there yeah uh, you saw that fully on display today might have been a little bit of Jimenez not being there you know what I mean I mean there's yeah, some chemistry sure. there as well too I mean if you got no one to get on the end of it what the heck's the point um but yeah let's talk about the corners 10 corners yeah. <laughs> first 33 minutes only two the rest of the way I mean how many times do you think that's happened <laughs> ever it was crazy it, it felt like it they really had us pinned back pretty effectively just because they were constantly getting the set pieces, we would clear it. They would get it. They would collect it. Were you concerned we on the break. set pieces though? Like, I just felt like, no, I corner... didn't feel concerned. They yeah. never really threatened. And you know, nice. when you have Michael Keane and Yerry Mina in there, along with Ben Godfrey, DC, like all these guys, when we have that full aerial contingent in there, no one's really going to threaten us on set pieces in my opinion, because we just have too much aerial dominance and they don't have a ton of huge guys like yeah. right. They've got Bali in there, but none of their forwards are big. Fabio Silva sure as heck not going to be winning any I headers. Mean, so Dan Donker's playing in the middle, then that's another guy, you know what I mean? Uh, and maybe, you know, if Jimenez is there, obviously that's a big threat too, but yeah, none of those guys are there. I mean, especially they're playing those wingbacks and, you know, Morgan Gibbs white is not going to rise over. people. Right. So, and then you mix in Dom and Richarlison and yeah, it's pretty formidable. I mean, you would hope that you wouldn't give, one up on a set piece um and Nuno's teams are very disciplined and everything and they're not necessarily bad on set pieces but yeah the personnel kind of dictated it um but yeah I mean look at halftime you're sitting there thinking geez you know we brought the spirit and the sacrifice but boy the quality really wasn't there um you know my, my biggest critique of the way we've attacked is and Carlos kind of discussion about that is that look you know if, if you're if You've got to solve problems somehow, you know, either your players are out there delivering quality or just ideas, or you've got to structure an attack in a way that you're going to generate some of it for them. And we've talked about the lack of sets, the lack of design passing plays and sequences. I didn't see a lot of that again. 
today, it, it worries me a little bit, but that being said, taking a step back, I mean, he had a day to prepare. I mean, these are really yeah. l- like, look, if Carlos, Carlos, two things, his two big gifts, recruiting and managing really talented players. You know what I mean? They want to play for him. He can manage them. He understands how they think, you know, and the other one is his variability, his ability to adapt different tactics. So look, he's not going to play with this set, really super defined system. But if you like that guy, if you think that's a good thing, and I actually do, I, I think you should change up your tactics. I think being multiple, I think is really important in modern football. So many teams go in with distinct systems. I think if you can design a way to play against them while also building on some consistent system, hopefully a defensive system. And I think you've seen a lot of the four, four, two recently. If you get maybe two days instead of one, you got a chance of winning those matches, but boy, that is really hard to do with a condensed schedule. Is it not? Yeah, it's really difficult. And look, we, we've kind of seen in the past recent managers at Everton who have uh, maybe been a little bit too constrained to who? that system who? and the tactics. Who are you going to name names here, Ryan? You know, I'm not. Marco Silva. <clears throat> yeah, just guys who have been very limited in their versatility. And now we maybe have something on the opposite end of the spectrum in Carlo where he's he's very flexible, but not in super, super focused on the actual tactics. I know that's something that his son, David works on a lot in training. He's more of like the, the tactical X's and O's type type of guy. But, um, you know, I think the more of his guys he gets in, the the closer we can play to, to what his Definitely. vision looks like. But um, yeah, yeah and he so, can attract him and he can attract him too. Right, I mean, that, that's, exactly. that's the big part. It's not like, that's well, Carlo part. can only manage good guys. Well, he can only manage good players because they want to play for him too, though. You know what I mean? Everton would not be having access to some of these guys if, if he wasn't there. Um, But look, I mean, we were playing physical and running around like a bunch of maniacs, but they still outshot a seven to six. Now, again, I know it was a lot of set piece corner driven, but I mean, so were ours a little bit, at least our good chances, but Hey man, you got to give us some credit. I mean, we attempted 21 tackles in the first half alone. Gilfie attempted six. Now love it. he only got two, but <laughs> yeah, but, which but, I'm surprised hey, was even that many. I know, I know, I know, I know. He got dribbled by a bunch of times too. It's kind of funny, but hey, the effort was there. And I mean, he was having to deal with a very difficult player out there. And right. Semedo wasn't really doing too much either, but he is a quick player too. Uh, two fouls, kicking people like crazy. But but I, I, I think your earlier point was really a good one. Dominic Calvert-Lewin very much was the tip of the spear today. You know what I mean? He was the top guy out there. And, and I like him better there. Richarlison sometimes was even dropping in the middle deeper to kind of carry the ball a little bit more, especially when Gilfie, you know, I mean, Gilfie needs the time to get set up if we're going to attack, you know, unless we're attacking off the counter. And I mean, Dom had won four out of five aerials in the first half already. I thought he was dangerous. You're kind of waiting for him to get on the end of one. And he almost did in the second half. Yeah. And I mean, look, we, we talk a lot about Dominic Calvert-Lewin being isolated up top, but what I, and maybe us, hoofing the ball long too much, but I did think there were a few moments when he was Dom, Dom was looking to run in behind and we were looking for him and that's fine. As long as it become, doesn't become your only game plan. And as you said, with Richarlison dropping a little deeper, we had more options. We could go long to Dom if you, if you had a good angle, but we weren't solely reliant on it. And look, I guess we, in, in the end, we were solely reliant on set pieces because shortly after the break, just a couple minutes after I saw a tweet uh, from someone who was at the match today that said, you know, I was in the bathroom when the only game of the goal was the only goal of the game was scored after waiting months and months to get back to Goodison. And it was the <laughs> it, just so unfortunate, but yeah, it was the 48th minute. Gilfie Sigurdsson corner kick Richarlison with a beautifully curled, floated, flicked Incredible. header to the opposite post. It was really well executed. 
Yeah, great delivery by Gilfie. We put it right on his head, had a lot of bend on it. I mean, look, what Gilfie does not do in open play, you know, you get him a couple corners and set pieces, it does make a big difference. And yeah, kind of going back to your point real quick, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, sometimes people forget that, like, if center half occupies two players, maybe he doesn't have to do too much. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that makes a big difference, especially in the attacking third. So, um, and I feel like both him and Richarlison, their chemistry has been a little off recently. I think both feel compelled sometimes to come back to the ball. And I don't think that does us a lot of good. You know, I, I feel like they're, they're kind of width distribution is a little off sometimes, but when it's both kind of the width as well as the length, it's really problematic. Today, they were a little more staggered, I think, with kind of Richarlison arriving a little bit later. And I, 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 I'm not going to say it was incredibly dangerous, um, but look, you know, we go up and, and that's what you want to do against this team because now they're not all that comfortable possessing the ball and attacking. Um, but, you know, you almost had this great moment. I, I, they didn't really get, I mean, I would argue that we got better chances after we scored um, and didn't really start sitting on the ball till later. So I felt like there was kind of a couple sequence of events in there. And eventually the 70th minute, we probably had our best chance where we looked a little bit dangerous, but I mean, not, not anything too much, but I, I thought that was a great sequence where Richarlison kind of played dumb in. Yeah. It's been really nice to see Richarlison, first of all, just playing better across the board, but also just playing a little bit more passing range and ability to find guys. And, you know, we talked about maybe him and Dom not linking up as well uh, lately, but that was a really nice pass by him and, and a good chance, not a great angle for Dom, but, is a good opportunity. And then just five or six minutes later, you had Gilfie popping up oh. outside the 18 yard box as he does. And in the span of just a few minutes, well, I guess one was, uh, yeah, just like bang, bang. He had two really good chances from outside the box and um, almost made them both count. Unfortunately was yeah, not flat. able to hit either. Do you think the last one goes in if it doesn't get deflected? I mean, it looked pretty, it was from distance, uh, but he does hit bangers every now and then. Yeah, it's been a while for him. I feel like I felt like he was kind of due today, but I, I didn't see a good enough angle to be able to tell, but it looked really good coming off his foot. Both of them did, honestly. Yeah, the funny part is it's sandwiched in between what was probably the most dangerous scenario, even if it didn't really produce anything from Wolves. It was really the only time Triore, when he switched over to the left later in the second half, uh, Godfrey was doing a decent job with them. I was calling for subs at that point, though, because, the, you know, our, our in essence, Gilfie and Seamus were both, they'd run their race, you know, and, and right. so you were afraid that that would lead to more 1v1 isolations with Traore. And Godfrey was doing a great job with it and, and it was very athletic, but the one time he got a little bit of a wrong angle. And again, he's a center half playing right back. So I'm not going to hold that against him. Like other people hold other people playing the wrong position against them. <clears throat> uh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Well, let's not digress too far. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, but he rinsed him. He got around him. And then uh, did you, I don't know what your thoughts were immediately. It looked like the ball came off to Corey's hands. It actually, I don't think it ever did uh, looking back on it, but um, were your immediate thoughts. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I don't oh, know. I thought that one. Yeah, I thought that was getting overturned. Well, because I saw it in it in the slow mo. It almost looks like he he's like trying to keep his hand out of the way, but then he kind of moves it, and it almost looks like he like pushes it out of bounds or something like that. But I don't think because it's the anyway, it's the other arm extended. He had one arm close to his body. It was strange. I was almost like I was, I was very scared. VAR would turn it over, but they made the right decision because I don't think it's a handball. So that was only, as you said, that was really Charlie's only opportunity to to effectively beat someone and actually get in the box and, and quote unquote, create something. But in the end, it, it all amounted to nothing. Now, look, maybe it was just because we took the lead 
But, uh, you know, we've talked now, we had three games leading up to this where we came right out after halftime, made some adjustments and were just dreadful. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, did nothing. But look, right after halftime, I mean, we were eight to two past them in shots, you know, and we actually saw some of the ball. I mean, in fact, I feel like we didn't start losing the possession battle in the second half until about the 72nd minute on. And, and at that point, I mean, really, that, then we did sit on it a little bit. I mean, even but but look, all those chances happened after that point. Right. Um, so at least every time we did get the ball, we attacked immediately and looked somewhat dangerous. I mean, 72 minutes on, it was 72.4% possession by Wolves. But that's not how the game went for the most part. You know what I mean? It wasn't that dramatically off. So I think I can't remember what the final possession numbers was, but but it was it was skewed very much for that 20, you know, 72nd minute on. Um and look, I mean, did you feel like the subs of we and Jose and Den- Dendonker? Uh, I mean, did it really change a lot? Very little impact for me. And frankly, I didn't think that I thought that bringing on Tom Davies was the smart move. Too late. Coleman, as you said. What yeah. Do you think about those subs. You think so? It's a little, excuse me, 87, 82nd. Tom Davies comes on 86. You bring Andre on in the 90th. You bring Mason on. I mean, I understand Carlo having, I guess, having faith in the guys who had done the job up to that point, but you could tell that they were lagging. Yeah. And this isn't the first time where it seems like patently obvious to many people watching that something needs to change and it hasn't happened until very, very late. So it was a little, little bizarre, but in the end it worked out. Right. So. Yeah, it did. Uh, I mean, DeCorey looked dead at one point. Thank God yeah. DeCorey had a better second yeah. half, though. Oh, my goodness. His first half, he was just making a mess of things. He was actually quite good in the second half. Yeah, he looked totally dead. Um, summary, XG philosophy had uh, Everton a little bit uh, a little bit ahead. I don't know if it deserved quite one nil, but that, that one actually number looks a little better than I thought it would be. What do you think? Is that about right? Yeah, 0.82 to 0.4 for Wolves. Lower than the Sheffield United match, and yet we get the goal. I think that seems about right because I, I did feel like we created some more meaningful opportunities against Sheffield United. True. And it's crazy, you know, the narrative swing in a one no loss versus a one no win. Right. Is crazy. Yes, it is, isn't it? Like, with the lowest point in the history of Everton football, get a hold of yourself, people. I mean, seriously, people were saying that, man. I'm like, yeah. it's it wasn't even the lowest point in the last 400 days, man. What are right. you talking about, man? You're crazy. I had to watch that midfield at the end of last year. Are you kidding me? I mean, come on, man. That's crazy. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's the thing that's funny. You know, they worked a lot harder and the spirit and, and everything was there. But ultimately, yeah, they weren't as, you know, we just weren't very effective in breaking teams down from open play. And I do think that's something that can be fixed with personnel. I think it'd be fixed with a little more wide open schedule. But I, I, I really think Carlo maybe um, and his son should have maybe spent a little more time on, um, you know, some sort of more coordinated attack than than defensive shape. But But look, I mean, Hey man, you know, he, it's fine. You know, we've set up this way and it's been successful. So um, let's get into some of the, uh, some of the player performance performances and maybe some of the listener comments. Cause I think we got some good ones. Yeah, we definitely got some good ones. And I think there was a, a pretty solid consensus across the board about who, who played well. I think uh, David Molyneux at DMX 551 summed it up. Well, he said, Keen Godfrey, Richie and Seamus were fantastic today. What a superb second half performance, stifling defense all over wolves. Plan A is back working again, but only just. Look, one now wins, um, but I, I think he's pretty spot on with those four guys. I think you put Mina on here. I know we've talked about him already. I think he was also very good. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think I quite saw it that way. I we'll get, okay. to, we'll get to Let's talk about in a it. second. Yeah, let us do that. Um, 
We've got Richarlison on here. I think we've we've agreed that he was good. I mean, he certainly was working his tail off. He was flying around the pitch and diving all over the place. Scored the winner. A um, couple shots on target. Yeah, he actually dribbled. You know, it's funny. I like him a little farther back. You know what I mean? When he can face a little bit more. You know, we don't have many players that can dribble. Uh, if we're not going to play the ones that we do have, um, you know what I mean? Let's use Richarlison and, and to take advantage of that. Cause th- that's part of the reason why we're not breaking people down. And we really, even if you isolated some people, one V one, who are you, who's going to win that one V one battle? Right. I, I don't think Iwobi is good at doing it either on the right. So, you know, it's just not, doesn't play to his game. Uh, I mean, yes, he's dribbling fine, but it's mostly through the midfield. Josh King, maybe a little bit, but you know, I don't, he doesn't seem to fit the bill. You know what I mean? And he'd just be a sub for Richarlison. So if he's playing well, I'm just saying functionally. So, right. you know what I mean? You're kind of limited in what you're doing. So I thought that was a good use of, of Richie won a couple of aerials, didn't get to success much. So, um, and Andy at Andy DBQ said, I thought Richarlison played well, both offensively and defensively he put in a lot of effort. And even though he gave up a lot of corners, I think Dean did a really good job defensively on Traore, which is a really difficult task. We agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at just a stat line, Dean led the team in key passes with three, two for three on dribbles three for four on tackles, two interceptions, 86% passing, which is second on the team behind Mina of all the starters. And yeah, I think Andy nailed it. Look, it's not easy to go toe to toe and face up to Traore, especially for like that first 10 minutes when they were just relentlessly feeding him and we were conceding all sorts of corners, but he's a good one-on-one defender. And that's one of the toughest guys one-on-one in the league. He did an outstanding job and was still able to get forward and get involved in the attack. So, and with Gilfie in front of him, right? So he's a little uh, limited in what he's able to do, knowing that he doesn't have the best coverage. Yeah, I thought the advantage of Gilfie's positioning at times allowed Dean to run with the ball. I mean, they almost ran into each other a couple of times, but like it was good to see Luca Dean showing a little more courage and trying to carry the ball forward. And, and Richarlison almost felt like he was supporting him in that regard at times. And he won a couple of balls clean and could turn it around. It was really great. Um, yeah, one of the other members that David Molyneux mentions was uh, Ben Godfrey. I, I actually thought Ben Godfrey was a little bit problematic in terms of us attacking the first half. I and mean, there was at one point Seamus won the ball and turned to his right. There was absolutely no one there. And again, I don't blame him for that. I mean, he's not a right back necessarily, you know, defense first. I got it. And that was very much the mantra today, but man, in the second half, did he make some runs? I mean, he was just, it's like a bullet Um, three for six and tackles. Yeah. Okay. You know, he got rinsed once by Traore, but he did pretty well. Four clearances was big. Um, And look, just three tackles in general, the volume. I mean, one of his best plays was when he ran forward and jumped on that kind of lazy, a little bit cross to the left side. And you say, well, that was a lazy kind of switch. Well, yeah, but not too many right backs can pounce on it like that. And then he just kind of took off. You know what I mean? He made an air, a key aerial too. And he actually set up a key pass, which is nice for him. So um, yeah, I mean, and I like Dave's comment here on, on Godfrey Goodison. Yeah. At, at M.A. Ben Hauser said, Godfrey is tailor-made for Goodison. He's always fun to watch, but the crowd's reaction to his effort really underlined his contributions today. A lot of love for him on the Gladys Street end. Absolutely true. It just feels like Ben Godfrey, look, he may not have the best 90 minutes, but he certainly picks really important moments to make, I guess, like highlight real plays. He'll make a epic sliding tackle. He'll make these lung busting <laughs> runs forward. Just the type of stuff that really gets the crowd going, which I think obviously having the fans back and it would have been pretty easy to, to get frustrated with a lot of what was going on, especially in the first half. Definitely. And he sort of was the uh, antidote to some of that with just like hustle plays, right? There's nothing spectacular 
about what he does, but he, he works his, again, works his butt off and, and he has a good feel for when to get forward at right back sometimes. And that's something that's, as you said, foreign to him. So um, it, it's nice to see him just straight up beat a guy for pace, like toe to toe, just touch it by him and sprint and leave the guy in the dust. I, I think he kind of knows that he's so fast that any chance he gets almost to take a sprint, like he, yeah. especially the fan. I mean, he felt it a couple of times that, you know, he just kind of puts the blinders on and goes and it's exciting. You know, you see a big guy like that, a big, you know, guy with like, I mean, his build is just ridiculous. You know what I mean? He's like a little kind of like, almost like strange kind of Pentagon shape, you know, or like, you know, I, I don't know how to really describe it. It's very, you know, it's different. And uh, yeah, it's just very like chiseled kind of in a way, the way he's built out. And then he just takes off like a rocket. It's great to see. Um, yeah. Uh, Andy Seja had another comment too um, at Schmub Godfrey. The effort to earn the corner that led to the goal was just so Everton right in front of the fans. That type of effort is exactly why we love the toffees. Um, and yeah, he's right. You know, that's something that we, I, I missed at least. It really was him who kind of earned the, earned the, his run is the one that earned the corner. So he deserves credit for that. Um, the next guy that a lot of people mentioned man of the match to me, I don't quite get this one. So I'm curious your take as to why yeah. so many people thought, not the Seamus Coleman. Seamus Coleman certainly had a good effort on defense, but um, I, I don't think he was good at all on offense. Um, he did have some shot attempts. So I guess maybe, you know, Johnny on the spot, the right place. Um, maybe yeah. just the effort to get up. Maybe this is one of the first matches we've seen in a while where he's been up and down the pitch a little bit. Maybe it's a freedom playing right mid. I mean, but he really didn't contribute that much to the attack. So why do you think people, so many people were kind of enamored with what he did today? Is it just, it's similar to the Godfrey thing. I think Yeah, he just had some really impressive. There's one play where I think he, he crossed over to the left, left side. Oh, I remember that to receive the ball. And then he is in like an all out sprint back to help out Godfrey on defense. And, and it just felt like, although yeah, he's not great with the ball. He's not going to ever really, he had like one cross that was pretty poor, um, but he just <clears throat> embodies that like working class, run your tail off mentality, yeah. even at his age. And I think people just appreciate that. Um, whether his stats were great, look, he's, he's certainly not the long-term solution. We all no, know the, that. The but defensive contributions are pretty good. Yeah. Especially, you know, when you're looking for that, you're helping out, um, you're helping out Godfrey. He had, he had a bunch of bad touches, but he had two tackles and two interceptions and he had a couple dribbles as well and ended up with three shots, which I think like all three were blocked, but still. No, the one was blocked. It's a shame too. Cause it looked like me be going in. Yeah. My, 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 my converse to that is, I mean, you got four bad touches, zero for four in crosses, one for four long balls, 75% pass rate. So it's again, this is the team that we have. You know what I mean? You saw a lot of good defensive effort today. And then you saw kind of a lot of mistakes or where things kind of fell apart in the final third. So he was no real exception to that, but he played well. I'm not, you know, that, see, this is the challenge of doing this. You know, you win, you just said it changes the narrative. We had a lot of guys that played really sound defensive football and, and hustled and worked and maybe they let their quality let them down a little bit in the final third. So did they play badly? Did they play well? I, it's a tough call. Um, but yeah, yeah. Arthur uh, Grimson, the Grim Reaper um, at Addisland. Sorry, I, just, I was always fond of Stu Grimson back in the <laughs> Goon days. The Grim Reaper. I got scary. Um, I was surprised how well Coleman did today. He drifted inside a lot after passing in the opposite half. Keane was also very solid today. In all, they all put a shift in. They did. Of course, it wasn't pretty, but we fought out a win. And at this point, it's all we can ask for up the toffees. Uh, now lose West Ham. Yeah, that didn't happen, unfortunately. <laughs> um, 
Before we get to Keen, shout out Jordan Pickford, 80% pass rate today, 12, 16 for long balls. It was nice to see him not really kind of hoofing it up like crazy, uh, except for when it was needed. And um, he's inspiring confidence right now. It's really nice to see, you know, he's really on it. I liked how he's claiming crosses and stuff too, and did well on corners. Back to Michael Keene, though. Let's talk about the center halves. I mean, together, they had 15 clearances, him and Yeri. Are we underrating these guys a little bit? And how amazing was it when, I mean, he doesn't turn very well, but when he gets going, he's pretty fast. Him chasing down Traore at one point. That was very impressive. I mean, that was just a, a great lung busting. You tell he like he he tilts his head back so that he can like get maximum. <laughs> Does that help? Uh, maximally. I don't science, know. But I, we know. <laughs> But I just, it brings me back to like high school sports and, and doing like you're running whatever sprints for your coach and you're just like sucking wind, head back. Like yeah. it just, it just reminded me of that. And it was, he did catch him. It was very impressive. Uh, and as you said, a lot of aerials, seven aerials for Keen. Man, super important on those early corners for Wolves. Eight clearances. Gave the ball away a bit, but he was also trying to play the ball long to Dom. I think he was responsible for a few of the long through balls. Yep. Um, and together, that just seems like a, a probably our best center back partnership. It's certainly not Mason Holgate. Yeah, it's not. And uh, I still don't think he's very comfortable playing up higher. Um, yeah. And, you know, more comfortable of, with Yeri there, right? Yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, you know, he, you know, if Yeri's hanging on the ball a little bit and attracting some attention, you know, a quick one pass two pass over to Michael Keene with a little bit of time and space. I mean, he's shown that he, he can cut through lines, you know, he's not perfect at it, but he's not bad. And you need that sometime. Now, is he the future at left center half? I don't know. Maybe it'll be Ben Godfrey. I, I don't know, but it was, Absolutely critical in those corners early. All right. Let's talk about the uh, the elephant in the room, the guy who we've been trashing repeatedly. All right. That's not nice, but <laughs> Gilfie. Now, did Gilfie play well or did he not? I mean, I'll tell you what, his defensive numbers are pretty good still. I mean, he got triple pass a lot, but he put in the effort. Two tackles, three interceptions, one clearance. I mean, that doesn't happen too often. Did a great job working with Dean to double team Traore for a while to the point there. They had to shift him off to the left. Um, took a couple good shots. Got to kid him for that. You know, he was there. I mean, he's not necessarily creating a whole lot from open play. Set pieces were good, but I, I just still, still, you know, there's moments of lack yeah. of quality. And, and if he's your main creative force as a team, we're not still not creating from open play. So I, are we being too harsh or critical of him at this point? I think he had a good Gilfie game today. Look, he, he can be a liability on defense. Yeah, good look, Gilfie games. That triple G, triple G, <laughs> triple G for you. Look, he contributed on set pieces. True. You could say Luca Dean and other guys can do the same thing, but it seems to consistently be him because he's always there. He had the couple really threatening shots that almost put the game away. Mm-hmm. And as you said, <clears throat> he was he's asked he's asked to do a pretty tough job in playing that kind of out of position left mid role as well as kind of be the try to be our creative force on offense from open play as much as he's not great at it. I'd put him at a, at a solid. Okay. I didn't think he was great, but he, he certainly again worked hard. He had a tall task and I think he stuck to it really well. So I, I don't want to trash him today because I don't think it's warranted for rest of the season's a different story. Do you start him on Sunday? No, no. Cause I don't <laughs> think we're going to have any of the ball. And yeah. Uh, yeah. if Thomas is back, I think you just swap him. Yeah, I hope so. I hope he's back. Well, I I just, you know, it's one of those things. Depends on the on the lineup City comes with. I mean, but look, the bottom line is, I mean, you saw the people missing on Wolves. I mean, even City C team is not going to look this bad. So we're going to have to come up with a better effort here. And my guess is, yeah, we're going to be sitting back a little bit. But Carla does trust Gilfie to defend in this. So my guess is he'll probably play him. Um, 
he should probably have a change up or two. We're going to need some energy, but we'll see. Um, again, we talked about Dom, uh, you know, he occupied the center halves pretty well. Uh, would have liked to see him do a little better with the one time Richie played him through. But the one thing you got to say, it was an amazing pass by Richarlison, but give Dom credit. He accelerated as well. It has the physicality to hold people off when he does that. You know what I mean? The only guy I would say that necessarily may have been bad was Decore really just in the first half. Um, you know, he needed to take care of the ball better. Um, he wasn't necessarily a threat in the box, not really his fault, but he did have a tackle and two interceptions. And in the second half, he was absolutely critical and can't argue his work rate. No, again, just a, a guy who kind of knits the whole midfield together and then is kind of the glue. We saw how badly we missed him when he was out. Kind of feeling his feet till still a little bit, maybe, you know what I mean? It like, feels like, like a lawn yeah. seemed very fluid today. I think that was kind of his, the best he looked, I don't know if his best performance or the best he kind of looked, uh, yeah. Decorey's probably getting back into it. Uh, well, it'd be interesting to see, assuming he plays on Sunday, uh, if I had a bet, I'll bet you he plays a pretty good match. Yeah, I think so too. I think he'll, he'll thrive being able to just harass the, the city <laughs> midfield. So right. Exactly. Uh, but let's, uh, let's get into the last little bit of listener reactions here before we do our man of the match. We had uh Barry at Orlando toffee who said not a drastically different effort, but a great result. One nil, a Carlo special. I love Decore and think we'd have been way lower on the table without him this year, but it was not his best day. True. And if they'd have given, and if they'd have given the handball on the field, VAR wouldn't have overturned it. And then he comes up with this interesting little nugget: Our last five wins have been one nil away at Anfield's. The last time we scored more than one in a victory. That's interesting, right? When was the last time we could say that? I mean, heck, when was the last time we won there? <laughs> um, right. I mean, but that's how we're playing right now. It's not good, though. I mean, let, let's be very clear about a bunch of things. And when you're staring at the table and you're looking at goal differential and ours is so bad, it's not because we're giving up that many goals. I mean, our goals against is right in line with all those other guys, you know? It's the lack and the inability to score goals. And you could argue, well, we don't have the personnel to do both. I'm not so sure that's true, but at this point in the season, Carlos made up his mind. Again, we'll have a whole summer to work and get some people and make some changes and see how it all flushes out. Um, I still don't necessarily like the lineups at times, um, but hey, you know, we showed up, showed a lot of effort, worked hard. Um, Don Carlos eyebrow at Abel Southall. Win or lose, it seems just seems the same. A coin toss. We were well-structured, loads of defensive players on the pitch, and Nick to set play. No one played badly, but really did anyone stand out? Can you be impressed? The game is a carbon coffee of many we've lost. I think that is a really good, insightful comment and summary of how things are. I mean, and we struggle with this. I mean, no one played bad. I mean, did people play? I, I just, yeah. And I think DL barks at Everton barks are, one of our most loyal commenters post-match kind of he echoes the same down, sentiment. I, I, he, he I is agree. good, man. I mean, he says a lot of stuff that I just find very interesting, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, and, and he makes another really good point here. He says, the irony is the same people apoplectic about the weekend will point to today as a huge improvement. It was still a single goal and requiring a clean sheet. Glad to get a win, but man, we're just so defensive and have to bank on a single set piece goal and clean sheets. Now, now let's That's put totally that within fair. context, though. You know what I mean? You could say there and look at the Sheffield match and look at the XG of like one six or whatever the heck it was and twice of this one and we created all these more chances. Now we did create more chances too in the first half and stuff. I, I, I get that. But that being said on the same, you know, uh, on the other hand, 
some of that's circumstantial and much in the same way as maybe we would have generated more in games earlier this season when we weren't sitting on the lead too. So, you know, I can't, and look, I mean, if I'm them, I don't blame them, you know, and sometimes actually can be a little misleading. Sometimes, you know, just pure volume, it can go up right. a little bit more. You know, I, I, I think the general today. Yeah, right. And it's so, so I, I think the general philosophy is at times and, and mathematically, I think it's been proven out that it's better to have fewer good chances than a bunch of mediocre ones. So I don't know. I, I but but you know the concerns are still there. So Wanderer Dave at Halifax Dave, um, he had and I had uh, have a lot of good exchanges. As you have been saying, and everyone, no creativity, no movement, nothing tactically fresh, nothing to trouble other teams, and yet we have a chance. I mean, there's there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I mean, still here. We talked about, I thought after last match that it was all dead, but there's still that slightest, teensiest little glimmer of hope for Europe. But he's right. Look, it's been the same story, so I don't think we need to belabor the point too much, but it just feels very stagnant. It doesn't feel like we're capable of really breaking teams down all that effectively. That said, Ryan, if we're going to pick a man of the match, I think uh, hashtag nine finger, nine finger Craig at Craig Mack makes a pretty compelling case says crowd as the man of the match and ends with the hope is the worst part. <laughs> Craig makes you laugh. I, I mean, he's not wrong. I, I feel no, like that is so spot on, man. Up and we're going to lose to city and Arsenal are going to win and Spurs are going to win. And maybe Leeds even wins. And we end up 10th and that would just be like the most Everton way to, to wrap up the season. But I don't know. I, I'm not going to go with the crowd. I'm going to pick an actual outfield player, but I'll let you go first for your man of the match. Oh man. Why did you do that? <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought about this a lot. Um, I, I, it's hard because I can't necessarily point to the numbers, but I just felt like Gary Mino is so important. He's the total quarterback today. 95% pass rate, NAS completion, 60 total passes, four or six long balls, seven clearances, I don't know, um, but, you know, Keen Bur- took a lot of that burden on the set pieces. Otherwise, I would normally say Yeri. I, I got to go with Richie, man. I mean, just from a dead effort standpoint, he was all over the darn pitch, sliding around even at the end. Look, he scored the winner. I mean, that was a fantastic moments of qu- moment of quality. And, and look, I mean, he played in Dom. I mean, that was an amazing pass. Uh, he was on the ball. He beat people off the dribble. And we've talked to me how important that is to this team to have him doing that. If no one else is going to, he was good in the air. Um, and, and he didn't give the ball away a lot. So to me, it just felt like the old Richarlison a little bit was back today and I was happy to see it. Yeah, I know we don't, we try not to do this too much, but I'm going to have to copy you and also say Richarlison. I mean, given the sort of narrative that's been building over these last few weeks about, you know, he's, he obviously hasn't had his best season in terms of finishing. And I think people have grown frustrated with it, but I, I still don't think there's any question that he's one of our best players without without a doubt and someone that we should certainly be looking to build around. And it was really nice to see him. I think the fans really energized him a lot, maybe more so than anyone else. And you could see how happy he was and in the celebration after the goal really fired up and he contributed both sides of the ball, scored the winner. So easy choice for uh, Richarlison for me. Yep. Um, some and some of the players have come out and basically said that they struggle without the crowd. I, that's really interesting to me, you know. Um, and I, I don't, I, I suppose I get that, you know. What I mean, that feeling's just got to be just euphoric at times, and it, it, they give you energy for sure. And we've heard the Goodison roar. It was nice to see at least some of it back. Um, yeah, it had to be really nice. I mean, it was nice to see all the social media stuff where people going out there and 
I don't understand though how you miss a miss a goal if you're going to the bathroom. I mean, the Glotty Street guys must have been thrilled, you know. So there's only I one know. bathroom, so it must have been open. I mean, you would have had half the people, so you wouldn't have to wait for like 20 minutes in line where you know you've got all sorts of interesting people just pressed up against you the whole time. It's just I love the Glotties. I hope when we go back we sit there again, but the lower, I mean, the bathroom situation is not the best. It's man. it's not great. Yeah, no, but I mean it's not. Look, it's you sneak not. out, you get a quick pie, you might chug beer, and then you gotta get to the bathroom all in like 15 minutes. It's a pretty it's tight uh, timeline there. It's but doable. It is doable. <laughs> well, Ryan, here we are. We've got one match left in the season. We'll certainly be back with all of our listeners following Man City. But any final words on Everton versus Wolves? Uh, same old, same old, but we nicked one. And so I'll take it. Yep. Um, part of me is kind of ready to stop watching this kind of putrid attack. <laughs> In many Amen. ways, I uh, just want to get some new blood in here. It's very, it's going to be a really interesting summer, I think. Um, and it's nice to still have something to play for. Uh, you know me. I mean, I tend to be, uh, I tend to be, I mean, I'm hopeful. I get excited. I mean, I think I'm fairly enthusiastic as a human, um, but you, you know, I, well, I mean, true, I'm but, kidding. but, 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 you know, the one side of me is very analytical. So I'm just kind of like, I mean, look, the, the odds of us making it to Europa conference, you know, it, it, they're, they're not great. Um, beep, boop, 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 calculator. <laughs> right. Yeah. So protected. It, it's true. You know, I can't help it. You know, that's, that's, that's it's okay. the side, you know, it's my, the finance kind of accounting stuff. And then it was, you know, the other side is me with long hair playing in bands and stuff growing up. You know, it's just how it is, dude. Um, the duality of man. Ah, uh, yes, that is it. All right. Well, I've got one for you to wrap up with then. All right, let's do it. Your prognosis going forward. What happens next? What happens this weekend? Sunday. All right. Good, Boom. good question. Yes. I think city are going to play their C team, their D team, nothing to play for. If you're Carlo, do you dial up pep and be like, Hey, I've got a couple amazing bottles of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that might be, how about you do me a solid? <laughs> I think Spurs lose. I think we draw. I do. And I think, look, I'm going to go optimistic. I think Arsenal and Leeds both lose. What is and, your worst scenario? Because I know what it is. Oh, oh, worst scenario, we finish 11th, even though it's not mathematically possible. Like somehow <laughs> it will happen. Like this is Everton we're talking about here. So <laughs> in worst case, we get throttled like 5-0 against City's C team and Arsenal leads and Spurs all win. And that's just it. But I'm holding out hope. Uh, all people turning their noses up at the Europa Conference League. I don't know what's wrong with you, but I would be thrilled to be in it next season, even if it makes us the butt of many. Oh, the, you know, the club, the jokes that will come. Oh, you're so happy about this, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? We're in it to win it. Any competition, any trophy. I hope that Everton goes all out to get it. And so I, I'm still optimistic we can pull this off, but we're going to need a lot of help and we're going to need to take some matters into our own hands, which worries me maybe more than anything else yeah i i god i hope lester wins uh the problem is if liverpool wins they're in the champions league i mean it's just not pretty. oh my god i know i'm just saying um don't even I, say it i know i i got a feeling lester's going to come out there with the result at a minimum um i think they're probably going to win i just do i just think tottenham's playing just very poorly um, I think Brighton's going to take care of Arsenal. I think Arsenal looks terrible, uh, to be perfectly honest. Still, I know they've been getting some results, but I don't think they're really necessarily playing all that well. That scoreline flattered them today. They weren't that good. But I gotta say, man, I mean, we are not scoring enough. I just can't see us coming out there with three points. I just can't. I hope we do. 
And so here's my prediction, kind of a crazy one. I normally never make predictions because I don't feel confident about them. And I think they're kind of silly. Leeds wins and somehow sneaks their way into seventh. Wow. That'd be crazy. Or no, no. I mean, they can't sneak their way into I'm, I'm pardon me. They can't sneak their way into seventh because they would be tied with Spurs. Um, and they don't have the gold differential. But I feel like they're going to get three. They're going to leapfrog us on goal differential because we're going to lose. And Arsenal's going to lose. And somehow Leeds is going to sit in eighth and we're going to sit in ninth. I what if Everton win? What if what if Spurs lose? This is we're going to wrap after this. Sorry if you're still. What if, <laughs> what if Spurs lose one nil, but Everton wins seventeen nil, and we leapfrog them? I mean, that was my other plausible scenario. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. And then we would, then we could, and West Ham also lose, and we could leapfrog them. So yeah. there you go, bring it. Dreams are there, and we'll try to execute on them. But he's going to uh, play the he's going to play the U15s. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, folks. I think on that note, probably a good time to wrap up before we get too, too far off track here. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, if you could leave us a rating review and a subscription on your podcast platform of choice, check out all our other episodes. If you want to find all of our links to all of our social media, to our discord server, to our Toffee TV episodes. All of that can be found at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash USA Toffee Pod. Otherwise, we'll be with you following City. Good, bad, or ugly, we will be here. Otherwise, until then, up the toffees. <laughs> <laughs>